Good morning. Today's scripture is from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. And you will find it on page 802 in your pew Bible. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is Rob Lau. I'm one of the pastors here. And today is a very special Sunday in the life of the Universal Church of Jesus Christ. Today is called Palm Sunday, a remembrance of the story we just heard, that as Jesus came into Jerusalem, the people were waving their palm branches at him. You know, sometimes this this whole affair is called the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Triumphal is the word. Triumphal. He rode a donkey. Wasn't even... It wasn't even his donkey, right? He borrowed a donkey. Hey man, can I borrow your donkey? Yeah, why? Gotta enter the city like a king. A donkey, right? Shouldn't have been a donkey. Should have been a war horse, right? A steed. He should have ridden a Clydesdale. You know, at Christmas, you see those, those giant horses? When I was in flight school in San Antonio at uh, SeaWorld in San Antonio, they've got a, a stable of Clydesdales. I don't know if you've ever actually stood next to one of these creatures. They are gigantic. And I'm not a tiny cat, right? Standing next to these things, they're, they, they make you feel small. They're huge animals. Jesus should have ridden a Clydesdale into Jerusalem that day. Or an elephant. Or a giraffe. Or a blue whale. And now you're saying, Ra, you're just getting ridiculous, Pastor. You know, whales only live in water. But he's Jesus, right? <laughs> that would have been a triumphal entry. Amen? Right? That would have been a triumphal entry. But instead he borrowed somebody's donkey. It's not, it's not just the donkey, though. It's also the, the manner in which the crowd greeted him. Like palm branches. 
that they stole from some poor farmer, farmer along the road, right? This guy, he's sleeping in, minding his own business. It is Sunday morning after all. Wakes up, all his palm branches are gone. And their coats. They took off their coats. These people lived in the desert. They didn't own washing machines or deodorant. Imagine what those coats smelled like. Stolen palm branches and stinky coats on a borrowed donkey. Triumphal entry? It's not just the critter. It's not just the fact that they should have thrown jewels at his feet and instead they stole branches and threw down stinky jackets. It's also the type of people who were there. Jesus should have been greeted that day by kings and emperors. But he wasn't. This this was not a triumphal entry. It was a parade of humility. He should have been greeted by kings and emperors, but the important people, they weren't there that day because they had somewhere else to be that morning. I'm not making this up. Roman historians tell us that it was the custom of the Roman governor, a man by the name of Pilate, on the Sunday before Passover to enter the city of Jerusalem. So on the same morning Jesus is entering, Pilate is entering And Pilate is entering because he wants to ensure that there is no political revolt. Pilate is coming in power to be there that day. And now that, my friends, Pilate's entry, that would have been a triumphal entry. Pilate rode on a war horse. He did. He entered with the king of Israel in attendance. After all, Pilate was Herod's boss. He was accompanied by a detachment of Roman soldiers with polished armor and cold steel. They even had those red plumy things on their helmets. It was a show of force when Pilate came in. They'd have entered with drums marking the cadence of their steps as they marched. The way Pilate entered the city that day indicates something about the kingdom that Pilate represented. Pilate represented a kingdom of power. The way Jesus entered also tells us something about his kingdom. Jesus deserved the ivory chariot. He deserved the war horse. He deserved jewel-encrusted cloaks and rose petals to be thrown at his feet. They were his by right. He'd made them. He deserved a crowd of dignitaries. But he rode a borrowed donkey. He walked on stolen branches and stinky garments. He was praised not by kings and emperors, but by blind men and scared fathers and recovering cowards. This parade was not a demonstration of imperial majesty. It was a show of galactic humility, and that's exactly the way Jesus wanted it. See, Palm Sunday was only the first of many humbling activities that Jesus undertook that week. Later in Holy Week, When Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the upper room, he decides to show them how to lead the world. 
So he stands up and he takes all of his clothes off. He wraps a towel around his waist. And then he kneels down at the feet of his creation. And he starts to wash them. And what Jesus says in that moment with his actions is, if you, you really want to change this world, don't be armed with the sword of the strong. Be armed with the towel of a servant. Jesus tells us to be armed with a towel. It was a humbling week for him. He expressed compassion to one who would betray him. You know, any other king would meet betrayal with an execution. Jesus met it with grace. He endured an interrogation at the hands of his own creation. He was humbled as he was stripped and whipped. He was humbled as he ascended the cross. He was humbled as he died. Jesus Christ didn't reconcile the world to God through power or privilege or authority. Jesus reconciled the world to God through his humility. I want to build on this idea of Jesus' remarkable humility today by sharing a song with you. Um, I love the power of song to help us tell a story. And the song I want to share with you uh, this morning is um, a, a really, a really important song in in my life. The the musician who wrote it, his name was Rich Mullins, and Rich Mullins was, um, in my my opinion, the the best musician of the last 100 years. Um, he, his most famous song that that he wrote was "Awesome God." Uh, Rich Mullins was taken from us tragically in September of 1997 in a car accident, but before he died. He wrote a song called Homeless Man. And Alan's going to come and he's going to sing that song. We'll talk a little bit more about it afterwards. But I just wanted to give you a heads up about the final verse. The last verse goes like this. He rode an ass's foal. That means he rode the kid of a donkey. And I just wanted to tell you that the language is ass's foal, so mostly so that Pastor Mark can get all of his snickering out before it comes in the point of, of the song. But the song is called Homeless man, I want to invite you to check this out. Oh, you did not have a home. There were places you visited frequently. Took off your shoes and scratched your feet. Because you knew that the whole world belonged to the meek. But you did not have a home. No, you did not have a home And you did not take a wife There were pretty maids all in a row Who lined up to touch the hem of your robe But you had no place to take them So you did not take a wife No, you did not take a wife Foxes are dense But the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man And you did not have a home And you had no stones to throw You 
came without an axe to grind. You did not tow the party line. No wonder sight came to the line. You had no stones to throw. No, you had no stones to throw. So you rode an ass's foal. They spread out their coats and cut down palms For you and your donkey to walk upon But the world won't find what it thinks it wants On the back of an ass's hole So I guess you had to get so whole Cause the world can't stand what it can't own And it can't own you cause you did not have a home But the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man And you did not have a home Thank you, Alan. You did not have a home. There are places you visited frequently kicked off your shoes and scratched your feet, but you knew that the whole world belonged to the meek. So you did not have a home. And you had no stone to throw. You came without an axe to grind. You did not tow the party line. It's no wonder sight came to the blind. You had no stone to throw. You rode an ass's foal. They took off their coats and they cut down palms for you and your donkey to walk upon. But the world can't find what it thinks it wants on the back of an ass's foal. Birds have nests, foxes have dens, but the hope of the whole world rests on the shoulders of a homeless man. My friends, you have to understand that it wasn't just this day that we've come to know as Palm Sunday. It wasn't just this day that was a parade of humility, nor was it just this week that was a parade of humility. Christ's entire life was a parade of humility. The creator of all the world was born in a cave when he was still just an infant who was chased from his rightful homeland by those who hunted him like cattle. He lived with friends throughout his adult ministry. Today we would define him as homeless. His whole life on this earth was an exercise in humility. And what Jesus teaches us, he didn't change the world through his humiliating power. He changed the world through the power of his humility. And so do we. But this is where we come face to face with a problem. I have a colleague who said one time of himself, I'm not humble, but I want to be. And I thought, man, that's me. Because there are times I reflect on on conversations and events throughout the course of my day, and I look back on those and I think to myself, gosh, Rob, you weren't... You weren't very humble in that moment. Jesus taught us that we change the world not through humiliating power, but through the power of our humility. 
And the problem for me is I'm not humble, but brothers and sisters, I want to be. And maybe, maybe you would say that of yourself too. And so what I thought might be helpful today, if it's true that Jesus Christ changed the world through the power of his humility, then how is it that Jesus might teach us, those of us who perhaps are not as humble as we should be, but we long to be humble, how would Jesus teach us to be humble so that we can follow his example and change this world? I want to suggest that there are three characteristics of humility that we can learn from Jesus' life. And there's an opportunity to take, them, take some notes on the back of your bulletin as we go through these rather, rather quickly, admittedly. But the first characteristic that Jesus taught us about humility is this. Humility is not about thinking less of ourselves. Humility is about thinking of ourselves less. Humility is not about thinking less of ourselves. It's about thinking of ourselves less. In John chapter 14, Philip comes to Jesus and he says, show us the Father. You know what Jesus says back to him? Jesus says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, Jesus didn't deny who he was. He was the Son of God. He didn't run from that. He didn't intentionally try to think less of himself. And I would suggest neither should we. We are the beautiful and beloved children of God. That's who we are, created in the imago dei, the very image of the creator. Humility is not about some false way of thinking less of ourselves. Humility is simply about thinking of ourselves less. You know, you could, you could define humility. There are some people who think that humility is, is weakness. But I would suggest to you that humility actually, actually indicates great strength because what, what humility is, is that humility is the quality of recognizing that we are not the center of the world. Humility is the quality of recognizing that we are not the center of the world. And there are a number of humans who go throughout their entire lives and to whom that idea never comes together. That they're not the center of the world. But Jesus taught us, humility is not about thinking less of ourselves, it's about thinking of ourselves less. A second thing that Jesus taught us, is that humility involves service to others. Humility involves being a servant to others. Jesus Jesus shows this time after time. He washed feet. He cleansed lepers. This Friday we will remember the fact that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement that was laid upon him brings us peace, and that by his very stripes we are healed. If I want to be humble, I have to make myself a servant of others, intentionally, on purpose. I have to seek the opportunity to serve another, just as Christ sought the opportunity to serve others. A third thing that Jesus teaches us about humility is that the humble person roots for everyone. The humble person roots For everyone. See if you can pick up the recurring word in this perhaps most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. Who was God rooting for? The world. 
He was rooting for the world. My brothers and sisters, if, if we want to be humble, and this might be really, really hard for us because there are some people we don't want to root for, but rooting for someone doesn't mean that I, I root that their side is going to win. It means that I am rooting for them to experience grace and redemption and hope and love. The humble person roots for the world. I'm not always humble, but I want to be. I want to be because I recognize that in doing so, I honor Christ. I recognize that it is through my humility, not my power, that I'm going to help transform the world to Jesus for Jesus. And Jesus teaches us how to be humble. He doesn't simply model it for us. He teaches us that humility isn't about thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. That humility involves intentionally serving others and the humble person roots for everyone. One other takeaway I think that's important from this story has to do with power. You see, one of the things we get to choose is we get to choose what kind of power we will pursue. Will we pursue real power or false power? When Pilate entered Jerusalem, and he entered at the same time that Jesus did, Jesus entered from the east, Pilate entered from the west. As Pilate Entered Jerusalem that day, he was surrounded by soldiers and strength. He projected invulnerability. I, I think that the people in this room are powerful and wealthy people. Now, we may not always see ourselves that way, in part because we're surrounded by other powerful and wealthy people. And power and wealth in and of themselves are not evil. The problem is when power and wealth become our chief objective. For all the pomp and circumstance of Pilate's parade, his power was tenuous at best. See, Pilate was afraid of a revolt, so he had to project power. Jesus wasn't afraid of anything. Jesus had absolute power. He didn't have to project at all. His confidence, his trust in God made him strong enough to become vulnerable. And that humility saved the world. So the question isn't, will I pursue power or not? The question is, what kind of power will I pursue? A false, tenuous one? Or the real power of God? Will I trust in God's power to the degree that I am willing to let God use me to do absolutely anything. By the way, that's what a healthy prayer life enables us to do. That's what, that's what a steady diet of Scripture enables us to do. Scripture and prayer connect us to the source of power to the degree that we can afford to become vulnerable. Prayer and Scripture reading help us become powerful enough to choose humility. Jesus Christ changed the world not because of his humiliating power, but because of the power of his humility. And that's how we change the world too. There's a guy by the name of Stuart Blackie. He was a professor at the University of Edinburgh. He was world famous uh, for his lectures on elocution, on public speaking. And he was 
very diligent about the way people needed to engage in public speaking. And so as he was teaching his students, his requirement was that before they addressed the class, they had to stand up and walk to the podium with their notes in their right hand. So one day, a young man under his tutelage stands up and proceeds towards the podium, but his notes are in his left hand. And Dr. Blackie said, sit down, place your notes in your right hand, and sit down. And at that moment, the young man raised his right arm, and there was no hand there. He'd lost it in the Second World War. And this renowned professor stood up and and ran over to that young man with tears streaming down his face. And he embraced him, and he said, can you ever forgive me? Some years later, Stuart Blackie was preaching a revival in England. And he told that story about his own mistake. At the end of the revival, a young man walked forward and showed the crowd his arm and his right hand wasn't there. He said, what Dr. Blackie didn't tell you in that story was, after this exchange, he led me to Christ. But he never would have been able to do it if he hadn't been humble enough to apologize for his mistake. During this season of Lent, we've journeyed with Christ towards the cross. And my prayer for all of us is that as we complete this journey this week, we could locate the beauty of Christ's humility and find the irony of faith that the most powerful man to ever walk the earth was indeed a homeless man. A humble man. He changed the world not by dominating it, but by serving it. So I guess maybe it was a triumphal entry after all. I still think he should have ridden a blue whale. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Holy God, we confess that there are times in our lives that we haven't been humble, but we want to be. We want to be because you taught us how to be. You taught us humility. You showed it to us every step of your journey, with every breath of your life. Our lives will be more fulfilling. But as we as we follow your leadership of humility, not only will our lives be better, but we will be prepared to transform the world. Not through humiliating power, but through the power of our humility. Thank you for this week. This holy, horrible, beautiful week where you washed feet where you offered grace where you were humbled even to the point of death even death on a cross this week when you conquer all of our fears help us to be humble 
in the face of all that you have done for us, help us to be humble as we go to serve this world. Help us to follow you and to be humble. In the name and to the glory of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.